really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth, the podcast that offers news, results, predictions, very cool interviews, and hopefully so much more. Uh, Most of you know me by now. I am David Lawrence, and I have a rugby problem. The problem, of course, is trying to follow my USA Eagles, my beloved New England Free Jacks, the Scotland national team, Connacht and the URC, the Highlanders in Super Rugby, and most recently, the Bormweir Bears in the Scottish Super Six, because clearly, that is an unreasonable amount of rugby about which to care. And yet, here we are, so (laughs) no problem. In any event, the Scrum of the Earth is a weekly podcast, and my pledge is to come through 52 weeks per year, though I can't yet claim to have successfully done that, as we've only been on the air, uh, you know, so to speak, since this past July. <laughs> and j- just to take a second, I have to say, I'm pretty proud of that. I'm, I'm hugely grateful that despite existing for less than three months at this point, I've had incredible guests, amazing feedback, and I'm fast on my way to a thousand listens, which is something I thought it would take, I don't know, five years, ten years to accomplish. So thank you. Thank you to all my listeners, old and new. As always, I implore you to get in touch. I'm easily accessible at of Scrum or via the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. Drop me a line about whatever, whenever, however you like. Seriously, drop me a line. I, I, I can see that there are people listening all over the world. And my hope is to get as many different voices on here as I can. Australia, I'm looking squarely at you. You guys are closing in on 10% of my audience, and yet you've never once reached out. So let's change that, yeah? Anyway. Here at the Scrum of the Earth, we do have a reliable weekly format, and it goes thusly. We do current updates. That's just what's up with me personally, just because. We do news, what's happening around the world of rugby. Then thoughts of the week. What's interesting or annoying this week? Again, if something's bugging you, this could easily become your segment. Just let me know. Then we'll do preview, uh, reviews and previews, in between which we do our newest feature, the Diamond in the Ruck, which is just my pick for the player of the week. Okay, it's Sunday night. I've got my big fat mug of tea. The Patriots somehow managed a three-point win over one of the worst teams in the NFL, so let's get cracking. So, current updates. Well, I am officially a substitute teacher as of this coming Tuesday. These are my first steps towards something I hope will become permanent. Um, Thanks to everyone who reached out after I mentioned this whole big change uh, on the last week's pod. It's always great to know people are in your corner, so wish me luck this week. I'm sure I'm going to have lots to talk about next week. <laughs> no doubt. He's stupid! He's stupid! People have to know! No, I'm afraid, Isa, the news this week is not good. So down in New Zealand, they have sadly given up on their attempts to find a way to reschedule or move the postponed fixtures for the Auckland teams in the NPC. So the final rounds of that competition will will be without three of their usual teams. Uh, in NFL terms, it would be like six or seven teams are told late in the season, oh, sorry, you can't actually continue to compete this year. Just, it, it's unimaginable. Of course, the writing was on the wall. I doubt anyone is going to claim surprise, really, but, you know, the blow of the news being final, wow, that must have just, must have been a tough day for literally a hundred or more players, maybe a couple hundred, not to mention their loyal fans. Tough days in New Zealand, but I guess join the club, right? Oy vey with the COVID. Can we please move past it at some point? 
that brings us to the thoughts of the week. And you know what? I've got a big old pod this week. I've got a lot on my mind. I've got a stressful life. I'm trying to make the grind. So I'm just, I'm skipping the thoughts of the week this week. You know, some days the ideal number of thoughts to have, some weeks the ideal number of thoughts to have is zero. And uh, I'm not interested in having any more than that right now. You know what I mean? So enough of that. And with that, that does bring us to our reviews and previews. And we will, as always, start with the reviews. And a quick listener note, <clears throat> going forward, I'm going to be doing detailed reviews for just like a small handful of matches each weekend. And then I'll cover all the others, but a lot more lightly. It's it's a combination of things. It's a combination of not having flow anymore. It's uh, of being too broke to get the URC subscription, as well as the simple time factor of the viewing and the writing and the reviewing and the recording and all that stuff. It's it, it's too unwieldy for me to keep the pace I set for myself over the summer. Um, if there's a league, a match, a team, or a specific result that you want me to get into, that you want me to focus on any week, any time, just let me know. Uh, I'm always happy to tailor my content to you good folks. Uh, please do. In any event, you'll be unsurprised to learn that no matter everything I just said, I still managed to catch a lot of rugby this weekend. So, as always, as you know, if my national team, if my Eagles are playing, I do feel obligated to start with them. And that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I, I can tell you ahead of time. I'm looking through my notes and uh, I really got down as this match progressed. Uh, I think... This might be the most affected I've ever been by uh, by an Eagles match. Um, somehow, this is probably going to sound ridiculous, but like all the rugby World Cup matches, even if we're losing, I felt like, wow, we're here, man. We're in the World Cup. You know, of, of course, we're not going to win this pool or anything. So it's all good. It's all good. This was like, no, no, no. We should be here. We should have this. And uh, it did not go that way. And you can you can tell in my mood as reflected in my notes. So Eagles versus Los Terros. I wanted to start by giving a shout out to another pod, the Red, White, and Black Eye, a USA rugby podcast that I've been listening to for a long, long time. They really hit the nail on the head this week. They talked about how hard it is to follow and root for or even care about our national team. Like, all the other countries in the world seem to have it right. It's like you you go and join a rugby club and you're like, oh, this is fun. So then you play at a school level and then you play at a higher school level. And then after that, you can go to another level and then you want to watch it. So you're like, okay, I'm going to watch these college players. Then you can do that. And then you're like, well, is there a professional version? And you can watch that. And, and we have all that. And then of course, in other countries, it's like, oh, wow, this is so incredible. Is there a level above that? Oh yes. Your national team. Here it is free to air. It's a huge event nationally for people to care about. And here we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can play for your club and uh, there's local clubs and you can play for high school in some cases and you can play for your college and uh, you can get ESPN and they'll show some of those college matches and you can pay a little bit of money and watch, you know, a, a nice uh, English league. Um, and guess what? We have professional rugby here in the U.S. now. Isn't that amazing? Oh, and guess what? If you want to watch it, it's free. We've set up a free streaming platform. You can watch every single game. Oh, what's that? Above that? Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a level above that. It's called the Eagles. Uh, they're the national team. Oh, what? You'd like to watch them? <laughs> no, no, sorry. Uh, if you want to watch them, it's going to cost you $30 a month. They play about four times a year. Uh, there may or not, may not be any commentary during the games. Um, there won't be any advertising. Uh, there will be no lead-up. There will be no pregame. There will be no postgame. There will be no analysis. There will be no nothing. 
uh, it'll be a wasteland and it'll be like some guy kind of recording it with a camcorder from 1988 and you're kind of borrowing the VHS tapes for $30 a month. It's completely backwards. The the triangle is upside down, I would say. And uh, I really, I wanted to thank those guys for pointing it out because it hadn't become obvious until they did. So if you haven't checked out their pod, I guess I, I will link them in the show notes for sure. Um, you probably already have them, but it was a great point and I appreciate their pointing it out, though it set the stage for the terrible game to follow. <clears throat> First thing I mentioned was it's it's hard to overstate just how much AJ means to us. Uh, AJ McGinty, of course, out there in the field during this game, we didn't look focused. We didn't look precise. Uh, Uruguay took advantage early. They went up 7-0. And of course, this was no ordinary win-lose. It's the second part of an exercise in aggregate scoring. So with our three-point, quote, victory, unquote, last week, they're basically just spotting us their home field advantage. So long story short, when they went up to 7-zip, they were actually up 4, if that makes sense. And to me, it's really annoying. Of course, in the time it took me to jot all this down, we kicked a penalty and then scored a sweet try in the corner. But after missing the conversion, we were still up by one, i.e. four. Uh, De Haas is having a really good game so far, really on point. Is it reasonable, I said, to hope that the fact that we're just much heavier than them on average, is that going to tell over time? I mean, if we were just big fat guys, obviously that would be a, mis- a big massive disadvantage. But with guys who are massive but fit, it should take its toll on Los Terros over the course of the match, right? Maybe? Spoiler alert, it did not. Um, not releasing against us, Uruguay take the points, leaving us effectively up by one. And here I said, okay, I can admit it. This two-test series thing is just bizarre. I mean, there are a lot of incredible, quirky things about Rugby Union, but this is just misguided, especially in terms of fans. So, okay, I pay my money to go see my team play at home. They win. But am I excited? No, because I won't know if it actually mattered until next week. And it could easily turn out to be bad news, no matter what the score was. Ugh, just, just not well thought out, at least for American audiences, where you know, which are ironically the biggest market they could so easily tap. And they're not even piggybacking what has to be considered great success by the MLR. So it's frustrating right now. It's frustrating. Okay, USA Rugby. Here's my little tiny tip: hire one person. Hire a person who has a ton of experience organizing volunteers. Then let that person get a multitude of college students to come in as unpaid interns. They'll be exuberant to be involved with the game they're already playing at their Ivy League schools and make it a system by which they can get introduced to the business and the game, the people involved. Only good things will come of this. You know, okay, I I can't imagine and I hope to never find out how tough it is to bounce back from bankruptcy. But seriously, there is a national team involved here, and we need to get someone to, to shoo away the, the tumbleweeds and the cobwebs. Like, the eagles are flying over a ghost town right now, if I can belabor this metaphor just a bit longer, and I probably should stop. Then, another penalty from Los Terros, who lead going into halftime, uh, complaining about the broadcast again. I noticed the commercials were definitely not delayed, like the match was, and they definitely had full audio right from the get-go, unlike the match. And then I wrote, oh, yay, they decided to get back to the broadcast because, of course, uh, it was like 43 or 44 minutes (laughs) when they actually decided to rejoin. By this point, I was getting annoyed, though, because Uruguay quickly scored an easy, long try and made it 20 to 8 
aka a nine-point lead with the doinked conversion. Uh, then, you know, I, I took a break. I went outside, played with my son for a little while. That was a really nice break. It was a beautiful fall day. Came back inside and found the score 27 to 8 to the hosts. Uh, I'm going to have to go look at the Rugby World Cup pathways because I'm starting to smell maple syrup. I, I wonder if we're going to get that little uh, rematch with the Canadians that I've been hinting at, but I, I, I don't think so. Let's see. By the way, marketers, every time you went away with the, the graphic for the game, you called this game a, a quali, Q-U-A-L-Y, quali with a Y. Uh, just, you know, just stop already. It's enough. Um, anyway, Uruguay again scored a try through what the comms described as a massive hole. And uh, there was no no joy in Mudville. It was 34 to 8 with 24 and a half minutes to go. Even the comms were starting to give the Eagles some stick at that point. Tough love, I guess. And here I even said what I hinted at the beginning. This is the hardest match I've ever had with my Eagles. It's just it's so impactful. It feels like we're being relegated. And the, the path is just so much tougher now. Um, so we're effectively down 16 with 15 to go. We find a bit of momentum, but Uruguay seems super confident. They're super in charge. The flow of action is all theirs. It's difficult to be optimistic at this stage. The crowd, by the way, looked great all game, but it was really hard to know what kind of impact they were having because of the crap audio. In any event, uh, not going to go on and on about it at this stage. It was obviously getting pretty dark. In the end, it was a decisive victory for Uruguay. They must be licking their lips to get another crack at the World Cup. Um, and believe me, I, I was one of the people with tears pouring down my face cheering for them as they beat Fiji in 2019. Their fandom must be skyrocketing right now. I wonder what that feels like. Huh, interesting. The final score was 34 to 15. It never felt that close. Energy was wrong all day. So for the first time ever, Uruguay qualifies the number one seed from the America's one slot. And I have gone and finally figured out this final piece, which is we now will face Chile after they beat Canada in yet another super annoying two-test series and the... Uh, Aggregate winner will get into the America's two slots. So that, that is winnable for us. It's a dual thing. I don't know when those dates are yet. Um, but, you know, Chile looked pretty decisive against our friends from the north. And after our own lackluster showing today, I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see Chile make their first ever Rugby World Cup. And, you know, it's, as an underdog rooter, that sounds like a kind of a fun one to, to, to wish for. Um, worth mentioning here, this is the very first time Canada have failed to qualify for the Rugby World Cup. Amazing. I got to share in their sorrow today for their national side. Things are not moving in the right direction for either of us in the North American continent right now, are they? Okay, other action. Less impactful, less uh, emotionally draining for me, I guess. <laughs> of course, there was. The Super Six. And uh, the Super Six effectively wrapped up this weekend. It was a ton of fun, though. So on Friday, Southern Knights really just hammered Sterling County no last game of the year jitters for these boys, to be sure. I have to say, for the first 20 or maybe 30, it was really fun to watch. Sterling were playing more rugby than I've seen in months. They just, they absolutely didn't care where they got the ball. They were going to play rugby. Of course, much like my criticism of Rico Ioane last week, sometimes when you're over eager to make a big splash, you end up doing too much. And the number 12 for Sterling, he was super guilty of that. He held on a bit too long, more than once. Promising attack turning into nothing again and again. 
after a while, they sort of ran out of energy. It's tough to, you know, play from your own five every single time. And then the wheels really came off in the second half. It was actually a tight match until close to the end of the first half. The Knights scored a couple of times in quick succession to make it 17-0 at the half. And then they just chose their moments, tightened the screws, made it a bit of a laugher. Around the 76th minute, Southern Knights seemed to say, okay, fine, you guys can have a try. And presto, there it was. In the end, the score was 31-7. to Though, as I say, probably should have been a shutout. Um, and for those of you on Kit Watch, the Sterling Away kit looks almost identical to the original Free Jacks uniforms from the Caracop era. Take a look. It's uncanny. Uh, then on Saturday, Harriet's Rugby were back home to throunce the hopes of of, of my and the Bormir Bears uh, season uh, ended this, this campaign with a pretty pretty convincing win, 31 to the Harriet's Rugby and 21 to the Bears. Probably, again, not that close. And then on Sunday, Watsonians looked like their early season selves against the finals-bound Ayrshire Bulls who may have been guilty of looking ahead to next week. The home side smashed the visitors. It was 43-14. And maybe they can feel better, I don't know, looking ahead to next season. Super 6, thank you for an exciting season. I am very glad to have found you. And I'm sad you will be away for so long, because it's going to be a while. Um, as we discussed last week, all of these matches were, in fact, dead rubbers. But we do have a tasty final to look forward to next week. And, of course, we'll get to those details in the previews section. Okay, on to the NPC. So Wellington hosted Canterbury in the wee hours of Saturday, my time, and it whew, it was an absolute thriller. So if you can, go and take a look at the names peppered throughout both of these sides. It is a veritable who's who of New Zealand rugby. Guys like Sam Whitelock, Dane Cole, Daniel Leonard Brown, Reed Princip, Julian Savia, just absolute top units, even coming off the benches. Wellington looked completely in control early, but then seemed to lose momentum, eventually falling behind before tying it up just prior to full time. Then, today, I learned they play sudden death overtime in the NPC. I hadn't seen that before. It was pretty exciting. Uh, Wellington came out firing with Peter Umanga Jensen, scoring a beauty in the corner to seal it. 35 to 30 for the home team. It was, it was a it was a great one. And one last note, uh, Ruben Love, the Wellington fly half. Dude looks positively, positively exsanguinated. Like, oh my gosh, I was half expecting him to turn into a bat and fly away. Like, he looks like he's auditioning for a Depeche Mode tribute band or something. Somebody get that guy some iron supplements, please, stat. So then Hawks Bay were at home to defend the Ranfurly Shield against the challenge of Tasman. And if that makes no sense to you, I encourage you to check out my mini bonus app about the NPC. So Tasman is a new team compared to some of the storied franchises in the competition and in their 16 years, they have never gotten their hands on the shield. Pretty cool. Also, the Hawks Bay kit looks a lot like the Barbarians kit, which I love. And <laughs> once again, if you haven't heard of Barbarians FC, uh, fear not. There's a mini bonus app in the works right now. In any event, Tasman came to play, and they got it to 24-22 after the 53rd minute. Yet another high-scoring, exciting match in the NPC. Then, as if they were annoyed by my writing this, Hawks Bay answered, with another try in the corner, and while Tasman worked hard and kept it close, the Magpies were not in the mood to give up the shield this time. So they went on and held on to it uh, to hold on to it, thirty-four to twenty-two. Nice to see Mitch Hunt and Ash Dixon out there among the other notables. Uh, Otago 
We're at home for Taranaki, and it was another close one with plenty of scoring. It, it was one of those, I take the lead, we tie, you take the lead, we tie. And it felt that way until they ran out of time, with Taranaki looking good with another win, 23-30 to 30 at the end. And finally, Southland, at home for Manawatu, a name I have now learned how to pronounce correctly. I had been saying Manawatu, and it's really Manawatu. Sorry about that lone Kiwi listener. In any event, the Southland Stags were looking to notch their first win of the season, and they took a 20-13 lead into halftime. Early in the second half, however, Manawatu tied it up, and again, we found ourselves on the NPC Seesaw. Wait, NPC Seesaw? Uh, Southland retook the lead only to have Manawatu tie again at 27 with 23 minutes left. Manawatu kicked for a three-point lead, then Southland missed a chance to do the same, and that was where it flipped. The visitors got a nice breakaway try at 73 minutes to appear to seal the win. A misconversion, followed by another penalty kick, and Manawatu got away with a victory, 27-38 in the end. Quick note, Manawatu's starting 15 included Nihi Milliner Scudder, an awesome player who was featured in the All or Nothing series about the All Blacks. Uh, though he has been plagued by injuries for a long time now, it was so great to see him out there, not only just getting the start, but putting in a great performance, really good. Cheers to you, Nihi. Uh, I'm going to put a little link to an article about his uh, struggles and his long road as well in the show notes. Okay, on to the Prem. And I picked a good one to highlight this week. So, Harlequins at home for the Bristol Bears. For those of you with short memories, this was one of the semifinal matchups from last season, with the Bears being absolutely shocked by the incredible comeback win by Harlequins. Um... There was a lot of energy, a lot of emotion in the lead-up to this one. Uh, first note I had was, uh, looks like Austin Healy is going to be their go-to chode for Friday Night Rugby. Not looking forward to that. Not one bit. Uh, felt like Harlequins had all the possession and the momentum to start the game, so it felt off when Bristol scored first. By the way, I wrote, how does Alex Donbrandt spend so much time on the wing? For a guy with number eight on his back, he seems to spend a lot of time at 11. Uh, Quinn's... Quickly coughed up another, another try. They looked a bit stunned, finding themselves down 0-14 to 14 with just under 20 gone. And then another with Piatau slamming it down and almost causing a lock of his hair to fall straight. Almost. not, Of course not. It's Piatau. Charles Piatau's hair will never go astray. Uh, nil to 21. Only at 25 minutes, Bristol looked dead set on revenge. Isn't it bizarre how... Like it seems like Eddie Jones, it, he, Eddie Jones, coach of England, was sitting in the audience for this one. He just seems to randomly like buy himself a ticket and sit wherever. He's always just in a crowd of people who don't seem to know him. I feel like the fans next to him are like, oh, oh, "Great, Ugh, no fun in this section today." Uh, Leinach the younger. Oh, I don't know. Why I said Leinach. It's just Leinach. The younger he dotted down a thing of beauty given to him by Don Brandt, and Marcus Smith in off the bench converts to get Quinns on the board. Bristol gets three more for a 7-24 halftime lead. I wrote, let's see what Quinns can bring in the second half. Lining the Younger, as the comms said, quote, in front of a proud dad. Love that stuff. Uh, should have ended the quotes. He scored again. Harlequins found themselves down 10 at around 46 minutes. And for those of you out of the loop, Lewis Lineck is the son of Michael Lineck, an all-time wallaby great. So his success in England and the potential for him to be capped by England rather than Australia has a lot of people... Wringing their hands, to be sure. Uh, he looks like someone about to be capped to me, that is for sure. Uh, I'll be curious where this all goes. Then I said, uh, wow, 
I've never seen a ref announce a card before a play had ended. That was a new one. It seemed like the player he pinged kind of got sad and backed off a bit, and then boom, another try. Smith missed the conversion. It's a very manageable 19 to 24, 52 minutes. <laughs> By the way, they, at one point they went to a side. Uh, they went to a sideline, you know, update with one of the coaches uh, of Bristol, and they said, "Well, you're looking good at this point." Um, hoping not to have a repeat of last year, right? And he said, huh, yeah, let's hope not. Well, you just know the collective Bristol sphincter is tightening at this point. Uh, when did the Harlem Globetrotters get here, drolls Austin Healy? Uh, thanks for that, mate. That was great. Well earned. Um, a fraca almost broke out with Wayne Barnes deftly diffusing it, followed by, yes, I'm just here to join the cuddle, which was a great line by Wayne Barnes. What, a, what an awesome ref. God, I love this sport. And then I literally wrote down, oh my gosh, Quinns take the lead. It's 26-24 with a bear in the bin at 56 minute. Bristol are absolutely crapping their pants right now. Outrageous turnover then by Joe Marler. Then some weirdness. Uh, Will Collier scored his first ever try. Quote, that's something props actually dream of, unquote, says Austin Hillian. With the conversion, Quinns go up by 9, 33-24, Bristol. What is happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? Then at this point, the unfortunately named Andy Urin came on. Uh, and the original drummer for Rush, John Rutzi, also came in at this point, of course, under his new name, Harry Thacker. Um, Adia Lucan has to be the most physically gifted rugby player I've ever seen do something like this, which was absolutely nothing, I wrote. The guy has so much talent. He gets the ball and he goes down. He gets the ball and he goes down. Every time it looks like he's about to explode and literally nothing happens. So there's 20 minutes left. Bristol Bears find themselves down by nine. Then Marcus Smith, the instincts, the tiny little details, the awareness. Eddie, Eddie must be schwitzing right now. Another gorgeous try for the home side. It's just brutal for Bristol right now. It's 38 to 24 at 63 minutes. I also think Bristol had unreal defense to start this match and they kept it up for maybe 55 minutes but approaching 70 you see all the effort on d all on the quinn side 13 tackles missed in the second half points out austin healy you see what i mean about him just have him for the stats then stfu <laughs> then i have in all caps and i even have like extra letters like my fingers were matching the keyboard it says what what I sincerely hope Eddie Jones did not go to the men's room because Marcus Smith, to himself with a nut job grubber, doink, doink, only I know where it is, bip, try. My thoughts immediately were, I don't think you're even allowed to do that. And I swear, I know, I have never seen anything like that. I very much did. I'll see it like again. Man, oh man, this is why I spend all this time watching this sport. It's just magical on a, on a really weird and incredible, awesome level. And I have to say, with that, the game was just, it was out of reach at that point for Bristol. The juju of the combination of that sick, we're all going to be watching it 2, 10, 20 years from now combo try, along with the exact reincarnation of the semifinal last year. I mean, holy crap, does it get any better than this as long as you're not a Bristol fan? And are Bristol in the market for a druid right now that can help them like break this curse or whatever it is? Slotting his own conversion. 45 to 24 Harlequins with 72 and a half minutes gone. My boy, Alex Dombrand, with the redonkey try after that. And this thing just became a shame for, for the side from Bristol. In the end, 
52 to 24 to Harlequins. Oh my gosh. What a new precedent they have set for themselves. <clears throat> and I know it's super early, but both of these teams have to be like, okay, what? This is not how this was supposed to go. Anyway, on Saturday, whew, that was a good Friday night game. Dang, what a matchup. Anyway, on Saturday, Exeter looked for an easy win against Worcester, and that's exactly what they got. Uh, they shut out the Warriors until there was only about a minute left, finishing the day 42-5. to By the way, what on earth was happening with the uniforms today? If I had seen an overhead photo of that field during the match, I never would have clocked either team as a premiership team at all. It was just bizarre. It seemed a bit off-brand for Exeter to put a rainbow on there as well. Maybe they're uh, catching up with the 21st century at last. Then uh, Gloucester, they looked really comfortable at home versus Sale. And boy, oh boy, how did I forget about Lewis Rees-Samet? Oh, what a player. He's always He's much bigger than you think, too. Um, side note, so I, I have a Welsh friend through some of the nerdy rugby forums I like. Uh, at one point, he sort of had objected to my saying, God damn it, about something. And we agreed together from then on, we would say, instead, we'd say, Reese it. And I'm honestly hoping it's going to catch on. I, I love it. In any event, I don't know what's up with this with sale this year. Uh, they seem out of sync. The old cherry and whites looked like they were going to pull out an, a really nice, easy win, of course. It was Gloucester, so they gave Sale chance after chance after chance and barely squeaked out a fan-killing one-point win, only with Sale missing a conversion around the 84th minute. Ugh, I'm so glad I'm not rooting for Gloucester. <laughs> anyway, uh, I had saved this one, actually. London Irish had a home fixture versus Leicester. Um, and I, as I said, I saved this one for last I can't help but think this one was going to be or ended up being JB's game of the week. Low scores, lots of scrums, all the stuff that goes along with, you know, the game's quote for the purists, unquote. I anticipate a lot of glowing commentary on Egg Chasers this week. Kind of looking forward to it, frankly. So going into halftime, it was two penalty kicks for the no-nos. I was told long ago that people call London Irish the no-nos because they aren't Irish and don't play in London, though I think that may have changed, actually. Uh, it was that to an unconverted try by Leicester, giving the home side a one-point edge in a tight affair. Quote, Leicester Tigers haven't started a season 4-0 in 20 years, unquote, the announcers remind us. So you know the players are feeling that tension. Uh, the Irish took a nice lead, 16-12. to uh, Nice to see former Pumas captain Austin uh, Crevy, I think they've been pronouncing it, scoring a super easy try. He looked stunned to score that one. After minute 71, George Ford kicks a pen to take Tigers back up, 16-18. to 18. What a tight match. I don't know if I've ever seen so many knock-ons in a single match. It was unbelievable. And I also, I don't know if it was great D by London Irish or terrible attack by Leicester, but late in that game, the Tigers, they couldn't do anything getting the ball forward. Nothing. Not pretty. Nevertheless, George Ford managed to kick another one. Uh, the lead is five with two and a half to go, and that was all it took in the end. London Irish losing at home to Leicester. Uh, they equaled their 20-year-old record for season-opening wins. Leicester did. Good match. Definitely enjoyed it. Uh, Ten matches without a win for London Irish, they said. I hadn't realized they were on that kind of skid. Uh, but I don't care. Saracens took about 55 minutes to remember who they were and whop <laughs> the, the crap out of the Falcons. Uh, score looked okay in the end. Um, it was 37-23. to Um they eked out a bonus point right at the end. Just a painful loss for Newcastle, whose season doesn't look like it's getting any easier anytime soon. And then Wasps. They managed to deal New uh, Northampton their, their first loss of the year, which I admit was a big surprise for me. 
Uh, the Saints smashed a driving wall in for a try after the final whistle, making the score look a little more respectable, like in a lot of these matches, and uh, more respectable than it felt throughout the match, frankly. Got them losing bonus point to boot. The final score, Wasps 26, Northampton 20. Okay, round three of the URC. We saw some new results to what we've seen so far, and starting with on Friday, Ospreys fell at home to the Celsius Sharks, who'd come to do more than Celsius Cells Seashell. Okay, I'm not. I'm, I'm abandoning that. Never mind. Forget it. Uh, in the end, the home side only managed 13 points to the visitors' 27. Though, highlight Gareth Anscombe again slotted all the kicks they asked of him. Unfortunately, it was only two this week. So with the Thomas try just after the uh, the 73rd minute, it was still less than half of the Sharks' total points. This may be one of those things where I have to admit I was way wrong. I've been uh, singing the praises of Vernon Koch for a a few months now. When they finally bench him, his team gets their first win in the URC. So, uh, I don't know. In any event, I've never seen stats so similar between teams when the final score was so decisive. Uh, If you go to the game stats on the URC website, which is actually pretty thorough and interesting... You'll see almost every number is the same for each team. It's a truly bizarre read given the outcome. Then uh, Ulster remained unbeaten, really teaching Rainbow Cup champs Benetton a lesson, winning at home by 20, 28 to 8. It's already obvious that the so-called Irish Shield is going to be the hardest fought of all of these. Uh, I'm about one week away from making a crazy prediction that Leinster will come second out of the Irish teams this year. Just look at how good Ulster are, and they haven't even gotten there latest shiny toy uh, back from South Africa. So ask me next week, but I think the age factor at Leinster might finally make a difference. And the same goes for Munster, so <clears throat> maybe I'm a genius. Leinster were huge in their victory over Zebra. The final score was 43-7 to for me. That says it all. Glasgow were narrow victors in a low-scoring affair at home over the Lions. A somewhat lackluster 13-9 to in the end. Connacht dropped one in Galway. I, I was a little surprised by that. Uh, it was a sharp-looking dragon side. The Welsh side winning by an impressive 22-35. Edinburgh. <laughs> they managed a disappointing draw, the worst outcome for Americans ever. At 20-20 ending. Uh, that was against the Stormers at the Dam Health Stadium. Uh, Cardiff also lost at home to Bulls. Bulls maybe starting to get some mojo. Um, it was 19-29. So is this the week that the South African teams start to find their range? So Sharks win, Lowly Lions only lose by four, the Bulls win in Cardiff by ten. Okay, you know, maybe too soon. Maybe jump the gun on that one. Oh, okay, jump the gun. And then finally, we had Scarlets hosting Munster at Parky Scarlets. <laughs> by the way, I want Parky Scarlets to be like a foil in a film noir tale of deceit on the rugby pitch or something. I'm sort of pic- vaguely pic- uh, picturing a... A Jessica Rabbit-style character, uh, I I can see it all. So, there I was, counting the dough from the Christmas derby, and when wham, she came in like a crimson coil of cheap cigarette smoke. When she asked if I was a rugby fan in that husky whisper, I knew Parky Scarlet had come crashing back into my life. Sorry, sorry, I'm back. <clears throat> anyway, uh, so after keeping things close in the first half, Munster just really pulled away in the second. They laid the hammer down, scoring six tries to one. Wow. Final score was 
13 to 43. Except for Connacht's slip up this leak, this leak, this week, all four Irish clubs are looking really strong to be. You know, that is a mountain to climb for everybody else in this league right now, I think. Also, Semi-breaking news, depending on when you're listening to this, I have just learned that the South African teams will not be allowed to host uh, their six and seven round fixtures back at home in South Africa. They are not allowed to go there. Uh, They will instead play those games in Italy. That will include the Stormers match against Zebre that was supposed to be hosted in Cape Town, which means that the Stormers will now play in Zebra's home stadium for their home game. That is rough. Uh, Organizers are understandably displeased with this. South Africans are very understandably, greatly displeased with this this development. Uh, It really makes the status of these new squads less clear. I'm sure there will be more on this soon. And of course, that brings us to the Diamond in the Ruck. And this week, I gotta say I was sorely tempted to give it to Joe Marler, who had a whale of a game. But in the end, it just had to be the number eight who might be Harlequin's best number 11, Mr. Alex Dombrandt. Dombrandt was everywhere on Friday and completely changed the face of this contest. Whenever they needed a perfectly timed jackal, there he was. When there's a breakaway out wide and you need support in the wing somehow, there he is. And when you're putting a team to bed with another crushing comeback win and you want a try in the corner to seal the deal, no problem. There he is again. Unreal performance with another breathtaking come-from-behind miracle and yet another absolutely dominating performance at the often-overlooked number eight spot. Alex Dombrandt, you are this week's Diamond in the Ruck. And with that, we are on to our previews for next week. Starting with the Super 6, The Super 6 is down to the final. It looks like a tough one between the Southern Knights and the Ayrshire Bulls, but as of this moment, I can find no listing anywhere for such a fixture. I'm sure it's forthcoming. Um, It's only Sunday night now. You know, they're semi-pro. I'm sure it's coming in. I will let you know when I find out. The NBC, I'll just say, again, a lot is up in the air, sadly, with with this incredible competition and you know, what was said by the commentators doesn't necessarily match with what the website says. There are just too many conflicting ideas of what next weekend is going to look like for me to report it here reliably. So I'm going to, when and if it becomes clear, call it out on Twitter. Godspeed, NPC. I have enjoyed our time together quite a bit. It will, of course, be round five of the Premiership. So on Friday, Sale will host the magical Harlequins. Really nice Friday fixture. That should be really good. Uh, let's see if Sale can get on track. I don't know if any of their, their Bakis are coming back. I'm not sure. On Saturday, Newcastle are at home for the very shaky Northampton Saints who who seem really confused right now. Though I, I shouldn't call them shaky. They're 3-1. They're um, Wasps will be hosting Exeter. That's going to be a tough one for them, but I didn't expect them to win this week, and they did. Worcester have another tough Leicester side in town. Uh, As we mentioned, Leicester has won four in a row to start a season for the first time in 20 years. I don't know how long it's been since five, so uh, this could be tough for Worcester. As for the two Sunday fixtures, we'll see Bath at home for Saracens. Please don't let it rain. That place is an absolute mud bowl when it's wet. And then finally, London Irish are again at home to face Gloucester. Um, Yeah, that should be uh, a game that is played. Some nice matchups for round five, though, I admit. 
And on to round four of the United Rugby Championship. The two Friday night matchups will be Ulster at home for the Lions, who will be looking to build on their tough showing versus Glasgow. Uh, doesn't look good to me. Ulster are on fire. And then also Dragons will be at home for the Stormers. So early in the weekend, we'll see if there's anything to my little uh, South African resurgence theory. Who knows? On Saturday, Zebra are back at home, hoping to finally nab a win against visiting Glasgow. I think Glasgow have that one. Also in Italy, will be Benetton welcoming the Ospreys. Ospreys, they look wounded right now. Edinburgh are the damn health stadium for the charging Bulls. Uh, Leinster, of course, will be heavy favorites, as always, at home against Scarlets. Cardiff is going to look to bounce back against the Sharks. Um, and Munster, they can really start to create some space in the division if they can hand Connacht their second loss in a row. That Those are the little cracks where a little tiny wedge could mean a big difference towards the end of this season. I have to say, it's only now for me sinking in how heavily stacked the schedule is for these first weeks for the Northern Hemisphere teams. And if South Africa does then start to gain some, gain some ground, you know, again, even before the Bakis are back, things could get pretty hairy for the old Pro 14 teams later in this year. Um, I imagine there's going to be a lot of flux in the overall league tables. There's going to be, you know, seesaws, people on top, people on the bottom. And by the way, I am here for it. I am in here for the URC this year. It's I don't know why. I'm almost overly excited for it. I am here for it in every way except for actually paying for it. Okay. Wow. That definitely does it for this week. So I know the weekly episodes have been skewing a bit longer, um, but there does happen to be a lot of rugby happening in the last few weeks. So with the Super 6 and the MPC winding down, I think, um, the pod will undoubtedly shrink back to normal. In any event, as always, please reach out with your questions and your ideas. I am at of Scrum on Twitter. I can be emailed via the scrum of the earth at gmail.com. If you want to help spread the pod to other rugby fans, please do so. Please share. Uh, please leave me a nice review. Uh, no new ones to report this week, but I will, of course, keep my eyes out. Anyway, as always, thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Talk to you soon. And be well. It gives me great pleasure to be here today. Oh, it does, Nate.